Welcome to another episode of Sonic Talk. It says 327 there because I've just realised I forgot to set the title of the show. But that's the kind of day it's been, unfortunately. We are running a bit late. We've had a few technical issues. First, the chat room didn't fire up. Then uh, Mr. one of our guests had difficulty with his video. Uh, I'm not going to point your fingers. But that, that little cough there you heard might well uh, introduce it. But I also want to say, obviously, the Sonic Talk is brought to you with Isotope, uh, together with Isotope. And we have a little bit of a competition uh, for this week where you can win a copy of RX2. And that includes a free upgrade to uh, the soon-to-be-released RX3, but more on that later. Right now, we'll go straight to guest number one behind the... Ah, that's interesting. I've got him sort of uh, in the wrong place. But there we go. This is Dave Robinson, I can assure you. Uh, and I haven't done his lower third either. There you go, Dave. Like, all I can say is I apologise, um, but, you know, we all, we all have bad days. So Dave Robinson there, what I'm going to do is now I'm just going to... I'll get you there and I'll get you sorted out. How are you, Dave? Dave Robinson, editor of Pro Sound News Europe and... Um, well, I'm very well, thank you. If a little and bit uh, out, of, out of focus, shall we say. Well, I'm going to get you. I'm well, going to get you. Here we go. Well. Don't worry. <laughs> if you if you do some hand motions underneath, I'll get you sorted out. I'm terribly sorry about that. That's massively unprofessional. But I've had a week's holiday, and I can't help it. Uh, it's just the way it goes. Save. Done. Selected. Right. There you go. Dave Robinson. Yeah. How are you? Hello? Uh, so, uh, yeah. And you've deflected all the distraction from, from the video hassle I was having that well. I sort of have. Oh, I've just increased it yes, with, with some of my... Dave Robinson, editor of ProSound News Europe, which is a B2B uh, pro audio recording studio, live production, uh, installation, all that kind of stuff. How are you, Dave? All that kind of stuff. Uh, yes, I'm very good, actually. Uh, we just finished the last issue last week, and, uh, and I've been to a couple of festivals. And I know, Dave, you were involved with um, Mr. Mr. Nails, weren't you, uh, to some degree? Mm. Uh, I Is that Jimmy? Bit, uh, Rob- Jimmy Nail? The one and only. What did you, um, you, you, you talked about it on a previous show, have you? I don't know. I don't know what you're about to say. Uh, Trent Reznor, Nine Inch ah, Nails. Ah, okay, right, Nine Inch Nails. Mr. Nails. That's Mr. Nails. <laughs> Jimmy's brother. <laughs> yeah. Um, what, what were you What were you doing there, Dave? Can I ask? No, you can't. Ah, I imagine there's a fairly serious NDA. Oh, look, you've got it as well. It didn't. Yeah, that gig didn't really go down very well, did it? Well, actually, Punters liked it, but he tweeted about the promoters really? screwing him over. I think on the light on the stage set, you know, they'd invested really heavily in the stage set. That stop making sense style stage set. Anyway, yeah. regardless of that, the show, show was brilliant. And which, so which show did, you saw the one at Reading, so yeah. that would have been which night? <coughs> Sunday. Sunday, yeah. Sunday, because I saw him in Paris. That was the night on, before. Yeah, I was at Rock on Seine uh, the night before. And, and it was superb. He had the screens and the sort of the face cam uh, thing with his face coming through the, through the light. Oh, sounds very untechnical. But um, it, oh, yeah. it was like one of those pin machines, you know, you put in your face, and, and that was, you know, and you get. Yeah, you're there. I just think your... you're, um, you're, yeah, you've gone. Your video's gone. Just turn your video off, and we can get your audio. Because otherwise, we're going to end up with um, yeah. a garbled speech. So if, if you turn your video off, your audio should be all right. Anyway, um, 
What I'll do is introduce Dave Spears, G4 Software, before it turns into too much of a fiasco. Um, Dave Spears, G4 Software, makes the fine software instruments and um, undercover agents with uh, other people, not, which you can't talk about. But anyway, how are you, Dave? I'm very well, and you? It's a double Dave week. It is a double Dave week, yes. Yeah, I've had one of those for a little while, although um, one Dave is incognito and the other Dave is... Uh, enough. Is enough. <laughs> <laughs> right, I think D- Dave is probably back. He might not be. Oh, he's gone. This is getting a little bit... Um... Oh, no. Oh, man. Right. Should we, get, should we get the pub? Yeah. <laughs> Cheers. Jem <laughs> Godfrey, for goodness sake. I haven't got you a lower third either. But... It's all fine. I know. Oh, I'm here. Yeah, you are. You're on. Jem Godfrey, of course, uh, well, last time we spoke to you was a, a great deal. Well, it was a while back. We haven't had to have you on. You, professional musician, does a lot of scoring for TV and all sorts of... Well, what, what have you been up to that's prevented you from being with us? Um, we, I've just, we did the whole re- rebranded Radio 2. That was fun. Um, orchestras and, and singers and jazz players and drummers and Angel Studios up in Islington and all kinds of stuff it was uh that was pretty full-on but brilliant fun um uh, and then it just it seems to be every time every time wednesday comes around we've got to be in london or doing something so as i'm saying you know monday tuesday i'm just sitting around doing this and then come four o'clock on a wednesday i'm like oh, oh i've got to go the so, phone yes. goes and that's it well i appreciate that you know that's the thing about this business isn't it always very last minute and kind of you know intense high intensity for short periods of time yeah. Um, and that's the way it goes. But great to have you aboard. Um, of course, you're, you. you are a uh, bona fide Korg in Dorsey, are you not? Um, yeah, well, I, I, I think I am. They haven't rung me for a few months, so I don't know. I'll, I'll, we'll find out. I think so, yes. You'll, yes. Be, do, you'll, be, doing a, uh, you'll be doing something for, on the new Korg Volker. So notice today we released our Korg Volker Beats video, um, which um, I'm hoping will go down well. Seems to be an enormous appetite for these things. So uh, maybe, that, maybe they'll get you to throw a cape on and m- throw some shapes Using all three, and you could do some sort of epic. <laughs> yeah, right. How can you throw shapes to something that big? It's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you could get like one of those educational versions, like the like the Korg MS20, which is like really <laughs> massive. Yeah. I've got a cycle to the other end of it. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, we're going to say um, while we're out, we're going to say goodbye to Dave Robinson. Unfortunately, his uh, connection is just not up to it. But uh, unfortunately, uh, we'll get him back another time, I'm sure. But um, anyway, thanks for trying, Dave. Uh, we'll see you next time. Uh, let's get straight into it because um, we got a topic, and we may as well use it. And um, this is uh, this is astonishing. We talked about this some time ago, but we'll play it now. This uh, lady is called. Um, she's a Florida teenager. She called Emma Robinson. And she's a nice singer, you know, got a lovely voice. Uh, filmed this on her iPad, obviously got a nice piano. I can't tell if that's a grand or an upright from here. Looks like it might be an up, uh, a grand. All along it was a of Rihanna's uh, song uh, which I've forgotten what it's called but it doesn't really matter I mean the, the, the focus is the fact that she's actually singing with autotune ornamentation I suppose is the way we've got it because I know uh, Rich Hilton uh, commented on this uh, on this news item uh, uh, privately and said you know it's actually it's, it's an ornamentation thing and it's the way that she moved but it's very much of the autotune kind of style and it's just really interesting because I think when we went back to let me see what was it it was uh, episode podcast number 
Sonic Talk 117, uh, where we called it the rise of the throat flickers. Um, oh, that sounds a bit saucy. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? That's why, well, I always like a good headline, me. Um, <laughs> but the idea, you know, was that people would start to emulate it because they were hearing it in all popular, lots of, particularly, this was about the time when T-Pain and was, it was really very obvious auto-tune, which has now sort of gone very much into the sort of, uh, the vocabulary of pop music. You know, you, you, it's, you hear it everywhere, obviously, even with singers who could sing really well. And the fact that this girl um, has learned how to... Because she's singing in this, and she's out of tune, but she's showing the ultimate ornamentation of auto-tune. And it's just quite an interesting phenomenon. I'm guessing, Jem, um, you probably... You know, we know you've worked with pop, uh, pop girl and boy bands in the past, uh, so, you know, probably familiar with auto-tune yourself. And sometimes it does get used purely for effect, really, rather than, you know, that somebody actually needs it. They just want that kind of clean tone. Am I, am I right or am I wrong? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, this is the bizarre thing. I mean, auto-tune, I think the thing that people tend to forget is it's been around since, what, 2000, 2001, something like that? It's, it's, it's quite an old thing now. And it went through that phase of, it was with, like the share thing happened. And then it all sort of, it's almost like people forgot about it. And then there was like a sort of period with the pop stuff where no one was using it. And then suddenly it all came back again with, with T-Pain and stuff as if they'd just discovered it for the first time. Yeah. So it's it's kind of it's weird how um, it's actually quite old technology now. But I think it's I suppose you kind of you know they get those birds that imitate mobile phones and car alarms and stuff. And yeah. sort of how how nature kind of adapts to to technology. I suppose it's the same sort of thing. And and um, I, I don't necessarily. Um, I think it's quite interesting that she's singing. It is. Like that. I mean, what's what's fascinating is she. You know, she's getting huge amounts of interest, and people are very partisan about it and really mm. kind of quite hateful in some respects you know that she's they say no she must be autotune nobody could possibly do that but it's absolutely positive i mean uh, another person commented that it was a very similar to sort of basic yodeling technique as well <clears throat> i was just going to say yeah i mean it's, it's kind of it is basically yodeling just very sort of very accurate yodeling accurate, you know? <laughs> an accurate yodeling. I, i'm sensing a show title here uh, dave spears um any thoughts it was kind of fascinating. I mean, I know we talked about it before. Uh, uh, my perspective then really hasn't changed in that from a drummer's point of view, it was really interesting when drum machines came out and everyone went, oh, they're too rigid and whatnot. And then, you know, a few years later down the line, all us drummers were trying to play triplet go-go grooves as to sound like a machine. And I found that really fascinating. And I always thought this would kind of happen with the auto-tune thing. And that's kind of proved it right, really. It is, I was looking at some more of this, and there was a, a thread on Gear Sluts uh, from 2009 about some. Uh, I, I thought I had it loaded up, but it, it doesn't seem I have. And the, the, the idea that um, people were seeing, you know, people who work in recording studios where you get people coming in all the time doing demos and just singing sessions or what have you. And they were starting to notice it, in, particularly in young women who were singing to approximate what they were hearing. And, and, and more and more people were chipping into this thread and saying, yeah, I've noticed that as well. And quite often I'm finding that what I have to do is check that I haven't got auto-tune across the track by accident because I'm hearing these artefacts and it sort of sets your, your ears and thinking, oh, my God. But it's, it's not actually... Uh, that, that's the sort of odd thing. It's quite an interesting concept in that sense. Um, but So it's obviously far more widespread than, than initially thought. And this video's gone, you know, it's like a couple of million views. It's gone absolutely bonkers in terms of uh, in terms of use so it's people have an appetite for it yes yeah, stunning isn't it as that whole thing becomes so mainstream you know people just grow up listening to it and then all of a sudden you'll find that they'll naturally emulate it i'm surprised it took so long actually because yeah. it came out you know yeah no that's a good ago. point 
Um, there were uh, there's some other aspects because uh, you you Jem you you found this uh, Rod you you quoted Roger Troutman as well because I mean again that was a very similar kind of at the time very uh, similar kind of wow this is a very specific kind of sound in fact we've got this video this is from uh, I think it's from something called uh, you were doing it and video Soul 1987 and it's uh, Roger dressed in silver foil or gold foil with a mini. Just um, kind of riffing. I always, I had heard it with Peter Frampton and a couple other artists, mm-hmm. and I would use. As it, also, I'm, I will try. I, I've got to talk over a lot of this stuff because what seems to happen is YouTube are getting really hardcore on uh, content, even though this is news and we're commenting on it. Let's see if I can find him using it. Hypnotize him in a way. Yeah, it really works. Watch this. Ladies and gentlemen, you're watching Video Soul, and it makes you feel good, yes it does, don't you believe it? <laughs> awesome, that's just absolutely brilliant. <laughs> not enough it's... talk box in the world, perhaps. You think, Jim? I'm guessing in your world there's not well, enough. I, I actually, by a staggering coincidence, I actually bought one, I ordered one yesterday, the whatever it is, the MXR one, um, which has got the little power amp, that's coming tomorrow. And I'm looking forward to a week of going, and retching. So that's going to be, because uh, it's, it's kind of, I have had one before. It's quite a, it's quite a this, procedure. It's like, like being at the dentist. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and also it's that kind of, how do you, because it's always previously you've got to sort of like drive it and put a signal into it, but this thing's kind of self-contained. So it's kind of, um, the autotune thing is, it's, it's, it's it's kind of like it gives it that lovely because I've always loved Roger Troutman and all that you know the zap and everything he did that but that was just it's just such a brilliant sound and in a way it's kind of a shame that I remember when Autotune came out and I thought I remember thinking this is brilliant I can do Roger Troutman kind of stuff now by just putting the retune speed down to zero. Well, it's, um, it's true to an extent because I mean, you can hear there's this harmonic that kicks in, isn't there? It's like an upper high harmonic, that kick, and it's a similar thing on uh, the auto-tune as well. And in fact, bizarrely, Rihanna seems to have it naturally in her voice, a very harsh upper harmonic. I don't know where it, what, what the exact frequency is. And, and auto-tune brings that out, when it, especially when it's kind of nailed it to sort of flatten all the vibrato out and stuff. So it's a common... I wonder what it is. It must, it's like a slightly odd overtone or something. I, I think, as, as Dave said, you know, I think we are getting to the point where people are just kind of so used to the sound that they just sort of, especially, you know, younger kids and stuff, they just, they don't think it's anything unusual. And I don't necessarily, you know, it's just singing like that. It's kind of just what they hear on the radio. It's, it's, it's kind of, you know, what people did when the guitar came out and, you know, since the 80s and stuff. I just think it's that thing of people just absorb that kind of cultural uh, thing and, and it becomes part of music making. And I, again, it's this thing with, with autotune, I don't really... I've never had a problem with it. I know there's a massive love it, hate it thing. I think, always, I think the was, thing was is when it started being u- when it was uh, made available as a rack unit and started being used live. That's when people started to get a bit uppity to, about it, didn't they? Because it's like, well, hold on a minute. And also, I think there was a big scandal, wasn't there, with X Factor or one of those talent shows where they were actually using it on the post production on the live performance to kind of improve the singing yeah. and that that's, yeah, that's that's that seems that seems somehow underhand you know i mean fair enough on a record because i mean you do all sorts of stuff on records to kind of you know make things better than they were at the time because that's the nature of production right but it's also this other thing i mean this this autotune i mean this is again it's, it's a brilliant effect if you use it right i was um i was when i was on tour with joe satriani last year um he did a track on i think the album before last week he put his guitar to autotune you know and there's all these different things that people don't think about that you can do with it Put strings through it. I mean, guitar's a brilliant thing to put to watch you because it does take on a completely different, especially if you take the retune speed right down to zero. 
it does, you know, different instruments can be can be brilliantly affected by it. It's not just a vocal thing, really. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Dave, you, and also, actually, um, it can be useful on, um, you know, if you've got a great performance on an old analogue synth and it's just a little bit out, you can kind of fix that as well. I've noticed that. I mean, Melodyne can be used a lot for that as well, can't it? Just, it does, because the thing about them, if you're, if you're wigging away on the Moog and it's just a brilliant take and the articulation's fantastic on the filter and all the other real-time performance, but the thing's just out of tune, then it's a very useful thing to fix on that, in that way. I'm guessing you might have done that once or twice. I've done. I did have. Weirdly enough, I uh, slightly rearranged a guitar solo by one of Jem's bandmates. <laughs> <laughs> John was a uh, guy. John Mitchell, phenomenal guitarist. Just, I mean, he hadn't really heard the track. Came along and just sort of jammed it, and it was reasonably complex. We did about twelve takes, and then I comp the best ones, uh, the best segments from each one together, and then I kind of write melodyne just so it started as I wanted it to start and ended as I wanted it to end. And in the middle, it just shredded. So, yeah, no, it was really good fun like that. But my, I think my interest in all of this autotune is that it's a bit like people who use these really bold, saturated, in-your-face synth sounds. I'm, we talked about this before. I'm not quite brave enough to do that myself. I like uh, things to be slightly subtle, and I do that. That's why I kind of I use Melodyne to try and you know smooth out things that appear unnatural to me. But I like the fact that people are bold enough to go, you know what, actually, yep, turn it down. As in your face. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it kind of needs that, I think, for balance. Yeah, I mean, production technique, is a lot of it is about, you know, signature sound and something that just really stands out. I mean, I guess the thing is, it's such an unnatural sound for a vocal that, you know, it does. But then now it's becoming oh, so I normal. S- so, I mean, there were some other interesting things, which is invert. You can imagine, so what happens when she does some recording and she's, she's learnt these habits of singing like <laughs> she's got autotune and you want to un-autotune her. So you have to inverse autotune to Maybe kind of... plug in for that one day. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. Actually, the that, anti-tune. That, anti-tune. Yeah, something that takes it, something that's too in tune and makes it more analog. Yeah, that's outer nice. tune. Outer tune. Yes, outer tune. Outer. Awesome. That's perfect. Well, I, 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 I'm going to. I am actually going to uh, going to have a register outertune.com right now. Just uh, yeah. just for a uh, toolbox. I've never had a go on one. It always it always seems a bit sort of. Um, There's all those myths, weren't there? What I mean, about you know, catching? Kind of first around. Well, not not just take your fillings out stuff yeah. yeah it was things like you know it'll shatter your teeth uh who's the guy oh, come on you know uh, Peter like, Frampton. Uh, yes that's him him british guy wanted to be american or something but um <laughs> that was all really i mean i loved that sound and i really wanted it and then when the whole zap thing happened jesus that kind of blew my mind i mean that he did a track with scree which oh that's well oh, boom there she was brilliant yeah i mean i listened to that at least once a week just because of the syncopation and the groove is just phenomenal it's probably about the only 80s music that i like uh, yeah. well apparently it's all uh, dx100 now isn't it that's the one to get for the uh, uh the talk box well it's any it's any it's any big old sawtooth big old brassy sound really because it's all it's all it's kind of i mean i have had one before the, the difficult bit is is, is is consonants and that kind of stuff sorry what was that? Inconstance. <laughs> Con- yeah. Yeah. I'll have a P, it's, please, it's, Bob. And all it's that. getting the whole. It's getting the t- and all that sort of the, the 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 stuff that makes it understandable. That's the really hard bit. I haven't been able to master that, which is why I bought a new one. So I'm, one day I'm going to do it. Oh, is that down? Is that down to the um, technique or down to the box itself? It's down to the technique because especially just a tube you stick in your mouth. So yeah. you have to, and it's all, you kind of have to kind of over pronounce everything. 
uh, and also not actually um, not speak. It's all you got to do it silently, which is the really difficult bit. So it's kind of um, yeah. Ask me in a month. I wonder if you actually speak, does that end up coming down and blending in with the signal? So if you sang into it and you couldn't help yourself. Yeah, well, yeah, then and then kind of it, it just it just sounds like you, well, certainly in my case, it just sounds like you're singing badly. <laughs> while a, while a, while a, a, a swarm of wasps is swimming around the back of your throat. <laughs> I'm liking the sound of that. I think uh, there'll probably be people emulating that as well in the not-too-distant future. Anyway, it was a good, fun piece. Uh, if you want to check it out, I mean, it's like loads of views, and it's just an interesting phenomenon. I'm sure we're going to see more of these things coming up. Uh, but right now, I'm guessing we got to the point in the show where it's time to say uh, hello to our sponsors. And, of course, uh, Isotope are on the cusp of releasing RX3, which is a fabulous audio restoration and repair program. I mean, get ready to experience the fastest, easiest way to perfect your audio. It removes ambience and uh, reverb with the new de-reverb technology, and I've seen that demonstrated. We've got a a video that we'll be able to play closer to the release date. Uh, You can remove background noise for cleaner dialogue tracks with a new real-time dialogue denoiser, and that's low res, so uh, low impact on the CPU. You can run multiple tracks of those if you're doing uh, multiple tracks of audio. Uh, You can work up to six times faster apparently with audio auto intelligent processing and other workflow improvements including tabs you've got multiple tabs in the editor you've also got unlimited undo history that saves uh, automatically in the new rx document format uh, you can fix many audio problems with tools such as dclip dclip and even patch specific audio problems with spectral repair uh, rx3 going to be available sometime beginning to mid of december more on how it will be how it will redefine audio at isotope.com forward slash rx3 and we have a competition uh, if i got that yes that's the rx original rx so if you go to rx you could download a free trial but there is a competition this week and uh, what we want you to do is tell us a little bit about um what's the most sort of awesome bungle uh, you've ever recorded or had <laughs> recorded during a recording process something that's just been sort of oh my god i've just or they've just or you know somewhere we want to comment i mean i know we've all got one of those leave it in the comments below uh, either uh, on youtube where this video will be or in the news item that accompanies the podcast leave it below and then we'll pick a winner next week who will win rx2 plus an automatic upgrade path to RX3 when it becomes available. We can't say fairer than that. So your worst recording bungle, perhaps RX could have could have saved you that as well. And we're not talking about, you know, a dog barking in the background. I'm, 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 I'm talking, you know, well, the drummer fell over the kit and it fell down the stairs. You know, whatever, some sort of catastrophe in recording. I don't mind what it is. It could be a technical issue or it could be a sort of comedic slapstick kind of issue. Leave it in the comments below and we'll enjoy that. Once again, we thank Isotope for their continued sponsorship of the show right next topic is um oh well no i forgot to say in, in fact just before we go there if indeed you were interested in uh in in the the sort of yodel technique i found this video on uh, youtube which is 10 hours of yodeling <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> uh, and it is if you look there i'm going to zoom in uh, it is actually a full oops a full 10 hours of yodeling Look at right that. There. Look at the clothes. I love it. Look at He's his happy a, little face. Check out. I'm going to play it, though. Listen to this. He's a, quite an awesome yodeler. <laughs> awesome, man. Anyway, I didn't really want, you know, that, that wasn't... That, but that's, Did you go... Have you scrolled to the 10 hours at the end? What happened? Oh, yeah, I wonder. I wonder that's a really good... Hold on a minute. Like, is it him is he, yodeling for 10 died? hours? It's the forefather of techno. Oh, well, hold on a minute. I'm just... <laughs> I mean, look, hold on a minute. That is... 
Now, where's that going? I'm looking for this one, aren't I? Right, so let's see. So we're at four on, hours. Four. You're, oh, my God. <laughs> He's doing the full 10. I don't believe it. That can't be possible. No, you're It right. must they be must spliced together. Look, look, that's uh, seven hours, oh, 36. Right. It's the same set. Maybe it's the same song. Right? Uh, yeah, let's see what he's doing here. Right, let's check. I'm, I'm not sure it'll be easy to tell. It looks very similar to that um, uh, oh, Hootenanny <laughs> that used to happen on uh, New Year's Eve. Not the, uh, the well, Andy so. Williams. He's still going. God, poor I'll band. You, whenever, I, whenever, whenever I have a party, when it's time for people to leave, I'm wow. going to put Get that him. on. Get him round. Get him on. That was awesome. On. He is... Uh, oh, I don't know who that is. It doesn't say in the uploader's comments. But anyway, I just thought I'd throw that in for a bit of extra fun. Right, uh, <laughs> next. Right at the end, he He must have some pretty amazing vocal cords to be able to keep that up. Uh, so, yes, we've done Auto-Tune Girl, and I had to get that in. Uh, FL Studio Groove. Uh, I think that's, that's this. Oh, no, box. that's Roger Trackman, isn't it? That's this. Let's take a listen. This is the news as just by ImageLine, who makers of FL Studio. They've just released for Windows 8 a fully uh, designed touch interface for Windows 8 and Windows 8 RT, which is quite a big deal, actually. And also, I hear that it's going to be available for Android as well. This is uh, it's called FL Studio Groove, and it's got a suite of... Functions and features, uh, synthesizer, keyboards, drums, percussion, effects, sequencing. Apparently it will integrate with Fruity Loop Studio, which I know a lot of people use. I know Mark's very keen on it. Yeah, average Euro kind of... Um, but, you know, just so you know, there it is, FLC. But the thing is, it's, it's probably the, one of the first things that's available, serious musical application that's been, rather than ported, been designed specifically for Windows 8 and the whole touch kind of thing. So, I mean, that's that's got to be a good thing, right? Because, I mean, we need to see a little bit more um, evolution on the platform as a whole, not just on iOS. I know we've talked about this before. I don't know, Jem, are you are you a, a touch fan or are you sort of very much, has it, has it passed you by so far? I have, I've repeatedly tried to be. I even, I even, I was on holiday in France last week. I actually took the Fairlight, the Peter Vogel thing. Not the actual Fairlight. That would have been awesome. Got to get in the hand luggage, um, and sort of tried to try to play with it. And I did sort of get sort of quite far with it. And I have I've downloaded a few apps and stuff, but it's just kind of like with, with I was trying to use Nano Studio, and it's just a bit. I don't know. It's just. It's kind of. It's. I don't know. It's, it's quicker just to play it for me. I, the faffing around with with. I'm going to put that there, and then you got a little tiny keyboard. You're going to make it small, and you got to zoom over here. And it's, I'm not that kind of keyboard player, so it's sort of I, I struggle with them. I know everyone loves them, but I struggle with them. And also, the other thing is that like the, the interface is very different. If I could have a thing that sort of, I mean, I had the Alesis IO dock, but then I've got a new iPad now, so the whole connector thing doesn't work. And then you've got this cord hanging off the back of it, and then notes will hang. And you just after ten minutes, you just think I've forgotten why I've forgotten why I was doing this. You know, it's sort of it. it takes the creativity out of it for me. That's an interesting point. I mean, I think the way for that I've found with it is use it as the instrument and then plug something into interface that you're used to using. But again, it, these all of these things often suffer with the... Um, 
if I wanted to do that much on this kind of thing, I'd just use my DAW and have a keyboard and key commands and all that sort of stuff that I know and love uh, immediately. But, I mean, you know, it's it's possible that things will move. I'm sure they will have innovated some touch interface ideas. I haven't had a chance to see it because we haven't got anything that will run that. I know, Dave, are you uh, involved in any kind of Windows 8 discussions? Well, I know of. No. Not discussions. No. I mean, not discussions. I mean, what am I talking about? You know, developments, I suppose. I mean, the, the touch thing. I mean, presumably, um, Microsoft would be kind of trying to canvas people like you to kind of go, oh, do you want to do something for it? It'll be great kind of thing. I mean, no, we have a regular listener um, who's an evangelist for Windows 8 and the touch thing. And, you know, he's he, would, he, he in fact, sent me this news item. So that's kind of one of the reasons I posted it, because I just thought it'd be interesting to discuss the evolution of the concept rather than just an individual platform. Yeah, this looked more interesting for me because of the connectivity within Windows 8. The the main problem I've always said I have with the iOS stuff is it's good at doing one thing, and it's and it's I view all most of the apps, even though they're not toys, I do view them as toys because I can kind of do one thing, and then somehow I need to connect that to something else in order to do something a bit more serious with it. Yeah. So this was the first time that I'd kind of looked at something and gone. Well, actually, yeah. No, now we're really now we're starting to get somewhere, in my opinion. Because obviously, obviously the drivers with uh, Windows are much more advanced. Um, I mean, Android still got shocking latency. Although um, the Sonoma Wireworks, had, the guy from there, uh, we saw had a uh, what was it sub ten milliseconds audio drivers that he was demonstrating. I mean, they're trying to integrate them into applications at an OS level, which is obviously what Google really need on Android to, yeah. to make it more serious, a more serious contender for real-time audio processing. But, I mean, this this would be should be a bit more promising for if you get the right speed touch, because that's another thing that's quite important. If you don't have a very fast touch screen, then um, you end up with latency introduced there, right? Yeah, I mean there are there are so many variables, and it's not something that it's not something that makes me go wow at the minute. Not until screens are about huge, this huge and whatnot. Well, you, no, you can't. I mean, they are doing those kind of things. I mean, yeah, we talked about them in the past, haven't we? Yeah, I mean, it's happening. But the latency is really, you know, it's kind of everything really for me. Latency, connectivity. If those two things aren't right then it's just not really going to get used. But, uh, you know, I mean, the Fruity Loops guys are mustard. They really are mustard. I mean, I know guys who, pro-drum programmers who use the Fruity Loops um, stuff for, pro, you know, obviously for programming drum lines and stuff. And when I've watched them at work, they are lightning fast. So I'd imagine... If anybody's going to be able to do it, it'll be them. I wonder if um, they've integrated that kind of some of those workflow things into this because that would mean that those people could kind of get on board with that. And no, Gem, have you you come across Fruity Loops in terms of uh, it being used? I know Mark Tinley uses it quite a lot, and uh, you know still does and runs you know um, Parallels and VMs and Dual Boot so that he I've, can do. I've, I've got to say I've been, I've been using Pro Tools since '93, and I just I've just kind of I I, 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 have, I have tried other things, but it's just again it's that learning curve. I'm getting too old. To you know, learn this stuff. So it's kind of um, it was uh, even doing MIDI and stuff in Tools, It was literally like playing it in and then cutting it up and putting it in the grid <laughs> mode. Yeah. So so it's um, I, again, it's just it's a platform thing. I just it's I've had no 
that no is basically no, well, that's fair enough. <laughs> it's a no it's an interesting point i mean you know and, and again we've, we've we've talked about this previously in terms of you know it's about the processing power available but the thing is with the windows 8 and the uh, uh rt i think on 8 certainly it runs on machines which have a higher spec so you'd be talking i7 and i5s um so you know those are going to work pretty good i mean an ipad we've got the current ipad here and you know i we, we reviewed uh thor a couple of uh, Sonic touches back, and this time we were doing real-time effects, and that was on an iPad 2, and some of those are really starting to kind of come come on stream and be, be really kind of usable with uh, very minimal latency for send effects and processing well, effects. Well, this is the thing. I think, I think if once people start... Um, I think the interesting time will be when people maybe stop trying to make them workstations and, and sort of massive recording studios. Single purpose, just, yeah. Yeah, and just start to sort of... It's a, Use the use the use them for something else. Something we haven't thought about. It's the same like the sort of auto tune singing girl. You know, it's it's this thing of as 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 younger kids sort of are just so used to them and they're always around. I me. Mean, my kids kind of use mine all the time and they're they're better at it than me. And you know, it's just, and it's this sort of I think as it evolves over the course of the next few years, people will just come up with stuff we haven't thought of yet because to them it must be the most natural thing in the world. You know, whereas playing the piano would be difficult for them or strange. Yeah. So it's kind of I think. It's initially, when, you, when new technology comes along, you do try and make it do the things that other... Um, have I gone? No, your, vid- your, your video stopped moving, but your voice oh, is okay. still there. Um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it, initially, when you get new technology, you try and make it do the things that other things already do traditionally, so you kind of have an anchor point to work out, to, to kind of reference it from. But I think as it goes on, you know, there's, it, it's, it'll get, the technology will get better to start with, but also I think people just get a bit more imaginative about not trying to make them be these... All-in-one situations, and there can be instruments. You know, it is interesting. I mean, the thing about having a DAW where everything is encompassed, including the plugins and everything, is you save the document, you recall it. You don't have to mess about reconfiguring. Going, oh, I need to establish the connection between this and that, and then make sure they're talking to each other and load the patches on too. So, I mean, that, and that's the thing that even with giant MIDI rigs, I mean, that's I mean, we forget. You know, I mean, uh, when we were using. Uh, Atari's to sequence the MIDI and the whole thing was sort of a large physical thing in the room you'd have to kind of have this all this housekeeping where you'd save the patches or store the edit buffers over MIDI or whatever it was that you did so when you loaded it back up it came back as it was and that's the thing that you kind of forget about a little bit when you're going back to iPad if it's a separate issue or it's a bunch of different programs communicating in the same environment you don't have that total recall you've got to set the whole thing up again to kind of get it to work in the same way that it did, and that that is uh, quite a pain actually, and something that you kind of take for granted nowadays. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Right then, uh, I dream of wires. Mine arrived today. Uh, oh, actually, no. FL Studio Groove available on uh, four ninety five. In uh, let me see if I can get it here. I, I should. I've got actually a. Um, I've got it here. Got a little. Uh, I, I think I. Yeah, the Windows Store. There we go. Uh, available the Windows Store four ninety nine. Can't argue with that. No, that is that's uh, top value, really, isn't it? And I think it's going to be available for uh, Android at some point in the near future, which would also be pretty cool. Whether or not they can get the latency down, or whether they've done something their own their own way to do that, but we shall see. Um, so, uh, I Dream of Wires uh, arrived today. Um, that is, uh, I, it's the film. It's a mega film about modular synthesis. There we go. I Dream of Wires. This is my. Uh, What's it called? The um, limited extended... So it's four hours of stuff. I, mean, I watched an hour and a half of it yesterday, and it was really, really good, and I learned some things, apart from um, uh, which we might discuss anyway, but it's quite an interesting... Uh, basically, this is produced by Robert Fant- 
Tinato and Jason Am from Solvent. Uh, I've worked on it for a couple of years. Um, they did a, a, a oh, what was it? Was it? Um, it wasn't a Kickstarter, was it? It was a. It was one of the other, um, you know, uh, crowdsourcing. Uh, um, projects and I, I, I bought it. I must have been several months ago, and so mine arrived today. Worldwide re- release, still not sure about it. You can't buy them yet, um, but here it is. Uh, if I press play, you might be able to see. At least I can show you the the opening screen. There we go. I Dream of Wires Hardcore Edition, and uh, Part One, Part Two. Chapter. Let's see. I'm not sure what the chapters are. Let's see. I might be able to find them. Let's see what happens when I do that. I haven't, I haven't looked at it all. Yeah. So we got a bunch. Cool. A bunch of stuff here, uh, East versus West. And that was one thing that was really interesting to me, actually. Uh, when I was looking at it, I didn't realise that, you know, you got the whole Buchler thing, and then you've got the whole Moog thing. Moog, sorry. And the difference between them, uh, obviously the Buchler thing is, is the experimental side of stuff, more your EMS and things that doesn't have a keyboard, and is pure, more scientific and experimental and forces you to work in a different way and make and, and you got these purists like Morton Sobodnik who who were talking about being really uptight about the fact that Moog made something with a keyboard on it it's like no 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 we didn't want that and then you've yet you've got the people who sort of selling Moogs uh, saying that's exactly what working musicians who actually earn a living out of it rather than a, from a pure art point of view and I didn't realize that there was quite such a schism between the two and Dave I suspect you know all about this because you're uh, a big synth person um have you I'd say most of your synths are West Coast vibe, right? Yeah, yeah. Although uh, we were uh, we were actually offered a booklet the other day, two hundred e, and it's quite a lot of money. It's, yeah. But it's but it's the import duty's been paid, and it's actually going for you know reason a comparatively reasonable price if you want it. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I the first time I met Bob Moog, he talked about how these two things sprung from each of the coasts and how they're, that they're, and it's something that's really lived with me, uh, in that because of the technology, he was doing what he was doing on the East coast and Don Buckler and others were doing what they were doing on the West coast. And they, there was no interaction and there was no communication between them because obviously even getting a telephone call was expensive in those days. And by and large, people weren't aware that these engineers weren't really aware of each other. But these two similar but very disparate things sprung up. Some people, and this wasn't Bob, uh, but some people have said it was all to do with the drugs that were available on the West Coast versus the East Coast. (laughs) Well, it it was San Francisco, wasn't it? It came straight out. uh, And uh, and the one thing I I, I did in... um, Bill Buchler was a NASA um, scientist. I didn't realise this. He was a NASA engineer. That's where he came from. So he could f- make all of these things happen. Um, Which but is really interesting. Some, yeah, and whereas Bob was... Uh, uh, what, was he Stanford? I forget where it was. Was it Stanford? Cornell. Cornell, that's Cornell right. Was his big thing. But, um, yeah, no, interesting. Very, and, and Alan Perlman was also involved in the whole Gemini space programme. So it's quite... But yeah. Bob had, you know, dabbled with the theremin stuff. So he kind of knew... I don't know. I think that Bob had this kind of instinctive musical connection. Whereas I think... Sometimes when things are very engineer-led, you were, you know, it can go sometimes too far the other way. There's a big thing going on here because obviously we've been debating the whole modular thing for years, and uh, John, uh, the sort of main guru here, engineering-wise, says that he's never actually heard anything musical come out of a book club, 
why is it always bleeps and bloops? I think I alluded to this in the That's past. Right, yeah, what, show the us the ba- Where's that baseline and signature sound from the Buchler on any record yeah. made from now until whenever? Yes, that's true. Yeah, and I know a couple of real brilliant game sound designers and movie sound designers who predominantly use Buchler stuff. Uh, stuff, but uh, I like. I'd like to kind of get. I, I have used uh, an old one hundred years ago, and I did like that whole. Uh, bizarre keyboard arrangement and for chris and i we've always we've always had this kind of little secret dream that the whole booklet thing came out of this san francisco um tape uh, center which ah, was right, okay. silver apples of the moon and we've kind of always thought you know oh that would be really interesting to kind of try and do something similar here um, it's fascinating so, yeah there's, there's it, a kinship really. i mean the, the thing about this film it's a i discovered that basically what robert moe did was he created because well, also basically um, uh, Morton Sobodnik said he got a gig doing some electronic music to some animation, and the first thing he bought was an oscillator. And oscillators were like four or five hundred bucks back then, so we're talking you know five, six, seven, eight thousand dollars. And Bob Moog made one that was useful that you could voltage control, and he developed the uh, volts per octave uh, standard, which was then adopted. Where and also the voltage control filter was the other thing that he that those are the two main really big kind of pioneering things that he did outside of the minimo, whereas Buchler developed the voltage sequencer, the control voltage sequencer, and then those so and and also didn't use standardised voltages apparently because uh, it meant you know you'd have more happy accidents. So the sort of the philosophy behind it was very different. But really, uh, it's a fascinating film. If you did it go the, into the acid impregnated? Yes, they they actually showed a picture. They showed a picture of the the red panel. This is the that they said this is the unit that you were apparently supposed to lick your finger and lick your finger because it was supposed to be acid impregnated. He showed it. Yeah, it was really uh, brilliant. Very very good. It's all there. I'm very tempted to. uh, I don't know. I mean, it's a lot of money, but I'm very tempted. In fact, the guy the guy in America, one of the guys in America who is a sound designer, used to work for Lucasfilm and stuff like that. I'm trying to get him on the podcast when he's free because I think uh, he would have a load of really interesting things to Awesome, yeah. That'd be good. I'd like to to, to chat to him. In fact, what was funny is that I sent him the spec for the one that I've been offered in the UK. Obviously, nothing's kind of standard modules. They're all kind of crazy things. And uh, I kind of said, oh, if you've got any kind of any feedback, I'd be most welcome. And he gave me the most unbelievable description of what each module does and what I could use it for, to the point where my head nearly exploded. (laughs) So you now got the manual, you just need the machine. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Also, I know, Jem, I'm guessing you're more of a uh, uh, 12-tone keyboard kind of synthesizer guy, because, I mean, um, anything that's sort of... I mean, although we did have the EMS, which is very much in the Buchla kind of vibe with that sort of scientific experimental aspect to it. It's weird, actually. I mean, the, the hot sort of module thing, really, I kind of, um, I, it's it's sort of, it's passed me by a bit, really, just because I think... Um, Who has time? Well, it's also, yeah, it's, it's well, <laughs> it's, it's, I think it's that thing of, of um, it's that, it, it's, it seems like an awful lot of work. I mean, this is, I'm probably going to get stoned to death by, by sonic status here, but it's, it seems like an awful lot of effort for one note. In, in a musical context, although uh, the switched on Bach and all that kind of stuff, and to me, to you know, Snowflakes of Dancing is a brilliant, brilliant album. Um, and but having seen, was watching the trailer last night, and just right at the end of it, there's a little bit where Gary Newman sits there and he sort of goes, oh, I haven't thought about modulus, but now I've seen this, I might have a look at it. And I kind of felt the same about it. And 
if it was going to be one of the two camps, I mean, I've got a sort of uh, another life, right? I'm a massive, I love sound design and, and cutting up audio and, and radiophonic-y kind of faffing around with sound and making interesting noises and stuff. So I'd probably, I'd probably go the book away because it, it, that sort of happy accident thing, that's exactly the kind of stuff um, that I like. And actually having seen it, I'm, I'm kind of now, and this is, a, this is literally in the last 24 hours, I'm kind of tempted to just have a look at that and see... Hmm. see what's what with it that's interesting interesting you should say that i mean also interesting the fact that you say you know you're prepared to you put the work in sort of on the screen in terms of arranging the stuff um once it's recorded to create something unusual but the thought of having it you know in in physical terms is is different and uh, uh, but what the uh, there's quite a lot of people in here who are talking about the idea of not having any kind of presets going on you know and so that therefore you live for the moment there's an interesting uh uh, piece with Flood and I think it's Ed Buller who've got uh, oh, I've forgotten the name of their band now um, and they basically did that massive performance in Paddington that was from five in the morning till whenever and it was just for the moment creating the the, the thing that and Dave has now just uh, shown us his modular. Look there at it the is. amount of wires hey. that is. I, I actually had somebody call me up the other day and said, "Oh, how are you getting on with the modular?" And I went, "Oh, I love it. I love it. I use it every day." And there was a sort of pause at the end of the phone, and I went, "Why?" And he went. Uh, you're probably in a minority of one. He said, most people get him and just think, life's too short. <laughs> <laughs> There's a preset. Yeah, but that... that the piano that, sound isn't up to much, though. I th- yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that, no, that's the element. It's very interesting. I mean, because, it, you, you know, you would spend inordinate amount of time asking around, connect, you know, changing the arrangement of something once it's recorded, but not necessarily any time making a sound. You know, you might flip through a preset. But one thing that there was a quote from Daniel Miller who said, you know, once we was started with the DX7 for him, when you're just sitting there flipping presets, it just becomes actually really a really boring process. It's not actually, yeah. uh, it, it's less fun. It's just, you know, it's like flicking through the pages it's like a wallpaper book going, oh, I want that one. You know, there's no, there's no joy in it, it it's so much. And, and that's, you know, that's an interesting point as well. So it's a brilliant film. Um, you can't actually get it at the moment. Um, they're trying to get worldwide distribution. Going back to the I Dream of Wires thing, let me see if I can bring the screen Can up. I just say very quickly on the booklist side of things, Alessandro Cortini, the Nine Inch Nails keyboard player, he is probably the only person that I know who has made a uh, booklist sound incredibly musical. Oh, well, that's good. Um, that's a good, you know, then he should be the poster boy. I think he is close to that, definitely, yeah. Um, but yes, idreamofwires.org. Uh, synthesizer documentary. Uh, the film is currently unavailable. They're opening, uh, they're reopening orders on the 9th of September. Uh, you can buy shirts and all these things. I really do hope, uh, oops, pardon me, I really do hope that they get together uh, to get distribution because I think that's what they're trying to do. I mean, obviously, it's probably cost them an awful lot of money in travel and, and just time to make this thing. Uh, if you do get an opportunity to buy it, really go for it because... Uh, it's a DVD worth having, so as far as I can tell. I haven't watched it all yet either. Dave, you want what, to... What, no, what did make me laugh is that... OK, so you've got the hardcore edition, which is obviously four hours long. There is so much stuff crammed in there. It's unbelievable. This really is a labour of love. And yet, uh, I could almost refer to a Nine Inch Nails quote, but Trent Reznor said, actually, it takes real courage to put something creative out into the world and then to watch begins with C, trample all over it is pretty dis- disheartening or destructive. Have you seen, have you, and, have you seen this yet, Dave? I have seen some of it, and, it, and at exactly the same time, I was witness to this 
almost absurd punch-up going on in a, on a forum because they hadn't included one particular uh, maker of modules. And I was thinking, it's four hours long, you know. And in fact, the guy went on and said, look, you know, this was, nothing was intentional, so calm down, calm down. And nothing was intentional. It all boils down to budget. We'd love to have had absolutely everyone, and I think they've just done the most amazing job given the kind of budget that they had. Absolutely. Uh, Jem, I think if you get the opportunity, um, that's something you should get for Christmas. If you haven't already got it. Oh, well, no, definitely. Because I wasn't aware of it until yesterday, so I'm definitely going to get it. I'm proud of that. Uh, Just another little um, tip here, if I throw this up. On Waveformless, uh, I think, uh, yes, in August... Uh, August the 1st, there's a post of Waveformless, which is a great blog. Uh, exclusive review and interview with Jason Am of Solvent, who is one of the guys who was involved in the making of it. Uh, he also produced the soundtrack. And there's a really interesting, in fact, I've got some of my researched facts from this, just a chat with him and how it came to be and how it sort of came up together. And so if you get a chance, read that, because uh, there's some interesting stuff going on in there, uh, just facts and figures. It was good to see um, Eric Barber, um, on, on the on the documentary as well, not being at all foul mouths, which is great. You know, it's because because the, the the way he names and uh, decorates his modules is is almost unpublishable, which is quite a, a challenge for for people like me. Um, although I did see them in the in the background, yeah, good good to have that. But really, really good uh, piece there. So I definitely recommend it um, if you get the opportunity to order it. That is. Um, what else have we got? Oh, we've got this Daniel Lanois video, which I can't really show, because I definitely will get busted, because this is with a proper... Um... Could you not just put a still up? There's a still. That'll do. There, there, there's the still, then. <laughs> That's so, Pharrell Williams it... and uh, Daniel Lanois, they uh, basically went to his house, and Pharrell's a really, actually, very good uh, interviewer, and, you know, brings out a lot of interesting facts and is, you know, genuinely interested in the creative process, apart from the bit where he brought on the naked girl serving water, which just seemed completely unnecessary. And kind of, I thought Daniel Lanois handled it very well, but probably thought, what a cock you are. Uh, I would have. Um, I wouldn't, well, I wouldn't have been able to handle it at all because I'm not used to seeing naked women in, in the flesh. So, <laughs> so Bearing water. Bearing water. But really, uh, a really interesting piece just all together, I thought, and, um, and something that's well worth watching. And it's a part of a, a good suit. It's uh, on the Reserve channel on YouTube and... Um, They've just got a whole... It's, a, it's quite a long piece, and he plays a bit of um, steel guitar, which is just beautiful. But Daniel oh, Amboy... Yeah. Daniel Amboy is such a... Uh, you know, he's, he was named by... Um, what was it? Uh, Rolling Stone as the most influential producer of the 80s. And it's, it's kind of hard to argue with that, really. I mean, just some of the work that he's done is astonishing. And it really kind of got me thinking um, that he, he was talking also that he's also got synesthesia as well, so he has to visualise everything. And it just it's another common thread amongst people who are kind of thought of as uh, uh, well-thought artists. And, and also the fact that he used alternative spaces for recording, which well, he wasn't the first, obviously, but they kind of turned it into an art form in the 80s, him and Eno, didn't they? And it was just really fascinating. Um, it's a kind of curious thing. I was looking at, especially watching it um, earlier, just coming through it, and there's... <laughs> It's a bit, you kind of, some, something about the look of Pharrell, you kind of think he might at any minute just go for Lanois' throat. Oh, just kind of, like. <laughs> he, kind of, he just sort of does this sort of, he looks like that and he's not blinking and thinking, oh, it's freaking me out of it. And it just, it would be brilliant just had a massive punch up halfway through. <laughs> I know what you're saying. There's, there's a sort of, um, a latent kind of, um, yeah, uh, 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 what's the word? Potential. <laughs> you see, there's, there's a lot of potential within him. 
Well, they're, they're either going to fight or kiss. It's kind of a weird sort of... It's the, oh, that's, I don't know. It's a bromance. It's a massive bromance. <laughs> <laughs> it could be. Uh, there was some really interesting... He played a little piece of uh, music in there where there's lots of these kind of... Uh, delay and sort of frozen um, chords and atmospheres, which I just thought was really good as well. That sounded very Eno-esque, and I always thought that was Eno, not Lanoir, but it sounded like it was Lanoir. So I wonder what Eno did, actually, in those instances, but uh, I'm sure he did a lot. It's also interesting, because at one point he talks about when he was recording um, So, I think, wasn't it, the Peter Gabriel album? And I, it's, you kind of, and I'd always, accredit, I'd always sort of credited that sound to Gabriel because Gabriel had that kind of ethos but then having seen some of the, the bits and pieces and certainly that track at the end of the, that documentary you can kind of hear that actually Daniel Langmore had, I think had far more influence on that album than I ever previously credited him for you know there's an awful lot of that space and depth yeah I, I wonder like, I, like getting it finished that was <laughs> I think that's what he was really credited for wasn't it because Gabriel just kind of prevaricates and takes phone calls and well there's a Great story about Lanois basically just locked him in the studio and said, no, you're not coming out until that bit's finished. Well, that's an interesting... And Peter was very, very, very angry. Didn't, he break, didn't, he, didn't he break the glass or something? Didn't he lock him Oh, in I the think he took the barn door the off. Yeah, right. I, I think he took the barn door off. Anyway, I, yes. I think they locked him, he's like they locked him in the vocal booth and then I think Gabriel, this is what the version I heard, was Gabriel smashed the glass to get out and then very calmly walked into the studio where everyone was recording. He said, Daniel, can I have a word? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Don't ever do that. That's again. interesting. Well, I rented that studio for uh, two or three years, actually. When I first started out, I was working on a production uh, with this little local band who attracted some management, and uh, they were really into Gabriel and, you know, good players and what have you. And we ended up renting that barn, that space with the control room, and the, the back of the barn, which was the full live room, was turned back into an engineering workshop. So we couldn't, the guy who owned the house used to make kind of playground. Um, um, furniture you know and that kind of thing so he had his angle grinders and stuff in there as we had a little overdub room the machine room and the main control room and it was just it was a fantastic place i ended up paying the rent on it for about six or eight months because i just didn't want to leave but it was so massively impractical as me with an atari st and an m1 in this huge great space <laughs> and a pair of ns10s that could barely fill the room you know but it, I, I couldn't bear not to be there it was just absolutely brilliant and um, oh. did some of my, my most enjoyable work there that um, well, if never... you think about i mean that peter gabriel, peter gabriel 4 is um one of my favorite albums of all time Basically, and that it just it, and there's a brilliant South South Bankshire documentary, which I think you can it's online. You can get it on YouTube, I think, where it just chronicles the making of this album, and it's all in that. It's just it's all in that in that house, and 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 you just think about the music that that came out of that place, and, and that's the thing. And it's, uh, there's a brilliant thing in the Lanoir vid, uh, documentary. Farrell says to him, "You know, you were in this space, and you 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 made this music that that." has changed so many people's lives in that space and it's a brilliant thought you know and Lanoir mm. goes I'd never thought of it like that and it's true you know it's kind of and you look at it and it's actually quite tatty there's a photograph of him sort of and there's the Fairlight and the CP70 behind him and stuff and you just think and you could have equate those two albums like with high yeah high yeah, art and yeah just, you see god it's made in a barn it's amazing well, yeah, no longer. I mean, if you go to Real World now, that's where the money went. You know, that's <laughs> that's not tatty at all. That's a really no. beautiful. I mean, I remember um, going there when it was first open. We went to the opening day uh, or open, opening night party or whatever, and it was just astonishing. We were all sort of blown away by it, and it was, you know, it was so that funded that completely because yeah. well, it was, was such was, a massive worldwide hit. I was working at, at uh, Real World um, uh, the afternoon. It got struck by lightning. Which was extraordinary. Wow. It was ball lightning. It was, it was in the little programming room off from the main room. 
and it was the weirdest thing. It was we were sort of writing doing a writing camp, and just this imperceptible thing for about a second beforehand, a second, even a, two seconds before, it, it was just kind of like you, all the hairs on her arms went up, and it was just this kind of really weird thing, and then this huge purple flash and explosion out of the door. And and I'd taken my G5 down there to work, and it was never the same again after that. Blimey, did you get toasted? <laughs> yeah. Wow. I, I also, I mean, maybe the other thing about that, I, I don't know if Daniel Lanois, because uh, um, Tony Levin is Canadian, isn't he? Is he? I'm wondering whether Tony Levin introduced um, introduced him to Gabriel because that's you know that's a, a partnership that's endured for years. I mean, he still plays in the band, you know, still going. It's funny, Chris. I was talking to Chris about this. I, I showed Chris the video this morning. He said that when he was working with Yes down at uh, Miraval Chateau, um, Lanois went down there with a view to producing one of the Yes albums, Union or something like that. I don't think he did it, but he said. Really fascinating chap, you know. But pull that picture up again if you if you've got that. Which one? The uh, the Pharrell. Yep. Yeah, okay. So here's my theory. What has Lanoir done in the last year or so? Yeah. Uh, that's what, you see, that's what Pharrell's thinking. Well, I'll tell you that to me looks like Gaz Williams. I think Gaz <laughs> is actually <laughs> Lanoir in disguise. And he's uh, us with a French accent. <laughs> I, I I know what you say. I actually um, I thought there was quite a lot of uh, Richard Evans going on there as well, who's uh, who I know worked under Lamoir and worked on the So album as one of the engineers. Um, but yeah, there, there's a definite sort of vibe to him. It's, actually, they did uh, yeah they did Birdie and stuff together, didn't they? That's a good album. Yes, that is good. Well, I, I worked on yeah, I worked on that and Passion and Passion Sources. I mean, I'd caught, I worked at Real World for a while on the multimedia stuff. And uh, we got access to all of the multis because we were trying to make, you know, these kind of sound loops for these uh, interactive CDs that Eve and uh, I forget the other one that was done. They were sort of high art kind of things and really, really interesting to work on. And I just got to raid all the passion um, sources. We, we pulled up the multis and I just kind of like, yeah, I'll have that bit. I'll have that bit. And we looped all these. They were um, Quantum Room Simulator drones that were that were that frozen, really long frozen reverbs. And also, uh, I managed to, I dug out the CS80 because we got to one. He's like, okay, well, let's go and have a look in the archives, see what's there. So I wandered into the archives. They've got this kind of, uh, these massive Nissan huts that were just full of Arctic uh, uh, container lorry containers that were just there with uh, little climate controls. You'd open it up and then there would be a load of multi-tracks or a CS80 or uh, the set from one of the, the, uh, uh, Genesis tours or whatever, you know. So I, I went and I got the I got them to bring the CS80 out and I started using it on uh, a couple of things and it was just amazing. Stuck that through an eventide, and uh, Peter used to come in every once in a while and say, "All right, chaps, how's it going?" And um, and he just came in and he saw the CS80 and the next day it was gone, and he just thought <laughs> he obviously basically just gone. Oh, I love that. I haven't seen that for a while and started using it on something, you know. And it was just like, damn. <laughs> But uh, yeah, great, great times. Um, but yeah, definitely, definitely great stuff. Gosh, really I, interesting piece actually. That was really interesting. It piece. is, and I like the, the idea that you know, I mean, he is, you know, for all his kind of slightly creepy intensity, uh, he's definitely got some good, good input and good, good. He's a good questioner of these things. I'd like to see the next one he does because this is a series, and um, and it's uh, on the Reserve Channel. Let's see what does it say. Uh, I haven't got any more information on it, but yeah, well worth it's, watching. In fact, the Reserve Channel's got some interesting pieces in there. You know, they, they do some good, some good bits and bobs. But for, for all I can tell, Pharrell Williams appears to be um, only uh, 
doing interviews and everything else apart from actually singing. I want to say thank you very much to my guests. We've got uh, Dave Spears there at uh, GeForce Software. Thank you for joining us. Your video as, and thank audio has much. been absolutely remarkable this week. Thank you very much. And uh, hopefully we'll get, um, we'll get a little bit... I'm still working on the one person per machine notion, which I will do at some point. And also we've got Jem Godfrey over there who's... I don't know whether were you holding yourself incredibly still there, just to, or did your Skype freeze? I don't know. It's hard to tell. And I will promise I'll get you another lower third. I'm very pleased to have you on the show. Yeah, everybody's just going to be going. <laughs> uh, anyway, Jem, thank you very much for joining us too. I really have appreciated it. And you have frozen in that position. Oh no, there you're back now. <laughs> What's going on? Love to have you on again. We'll try and uh, see if you can arrange a schedule so Wednesdays are free. But I under- totally understand. So I'll do my best. I'll do my best. And once again, we want to say thanks to Isotope for their sponsorship of the show. Go and check out the RX uh, RX three. Go uh, and also enter the competition. Don't forget, leave something in the comments below the show. Basically, telling us of your worst recording bungle or disaster, and uh, the winner will receive RX two and a free upgrade to RX three when it comes out, which will be not long now. So that's it. Once again, thank you very much, everybody. That was Sonic Talk number three hundred and twenty-eight. See you later, guys.